The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on Voice America, America's Voice. Today we are talking about twins, and uh, my mom was an identical twin, so I can really relate. My guest is Dr. Joan A. Friedman, and her book is The Same But Different, How Twins Can Live, Love, and Learn to Be Individuals. And let me tell you about Dr. Friedman. She is a twin, the mother of twins, and an author and psychotherapist specializing in twin issues. She's the author of Emotionally Healthy Twins, A New Philosophy for Parenting Two Unique Children. Welcome, Joan. Thank you so much, Patricia. Thanks. It's, uh, you, you're a twin and you're the mother of twins. Doesn't it scare you usually? Um, you know, people often have that notion that it does skip, but it really doesn't. There's no scientific knowledge. It seems to be more of a wives' tale. And now with all the um, in vitro for infertility treatments, and so there's so many twins around that it doesn't skip anybody, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, yeah, so interesting. Now, what is the twin mistake? The twin mistake is, is a phrase that I coined in my first book, um, it, to me, it's the way that twins are perceived uh, by the media, by culture, by, by their parents so often, that twins are this inseparable soulmates. They love each other. They always have a friend. They're never alone, and they're going to live together forever. And it's, it's a mystique that, unfortunately, while many twins are very close, there are a lot of twins that are not, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it doesn't seem that anyone's really written or given a voice to the fact that some twins don't get along, and that's not a bad thing. Interesting. Yeah, we, we think they're supposed to be wonderful sisters, you know. And the image we have of twins, you know, little when they're all dressed alike and we have that image, like they're two little dolls, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I think people also think twins are like saints in some way, that they're just perfect. Um, and when they, when they do something that's sort of out of that sort of stereotypic perception, people become upset with them. Um, it often happens that when people ask me if um, my sister and I are best friends, and I'll often say, no. We're, we're sisters and we love each other, but we, I wouldn't say we're best friends. We have our own circle of friends. But when I say that to them, their face just goes dour and sort of like I punched all the air out of their balloon and they're upset because they want to keep hearing that, that we are best friends and somehow I'm breaking through 
and reaching a part of them that's difficult for them to take in. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's interesting because we think about twins as being similar, but the question is, what are the common issues that, it, that adult twins face? I mean, I know, and I'll tell you more about my mom and my aunt, because they were identical twins, and very interestingly so. But what are the issues that you find adult twins face? Well, I think the, the most prevalent issue that adult twins face is when they have not had any degree of separation. And, you know, often twins go away to college. They often go away separately. And many, many twin pairs who have not had have any previous experiences of being separated cannot function as singletons when they're supposed to be singletons going off to, as young adults to college, basically because they've never been on their own. They haven't sort of socially been on their own, oftentimes academically they haven't been on their own. And, and may, maybe most importantly is so many twin pairs parent each other. They're really each other's surrogate parent. They have a much closer connection to one another than they might have to their mother or their father. So separating from this incredibly important relationship without any preparation or tactical strategies causes them to simply fall apart and not able to function. And so many twins in this situation are surprised because they haven't really realized the reliance or the dependence that they have on one another. And no one sort of prepared them for that big step in their lives. So that's one of the biggest issues that I see. Yeah. I think another one is you are a twin and you're the mother of twins and your professional work focuses on the lives of twins. What is your experience of being an adult twin? Well, my experience has sort of led me to write all these books. I mean, growing up, my sister and I were, there weren't very many twins around. And so we were very much a lot of star status. People always knew who we were. We really didn't have to work hard to make friends. But we really didn't feel that we were actually really known as individuals. We were noticed, certainly, but not known. And when we went away to college, which was our first experience away from one another, we had enormous phone bills, my father likes to remind me, um, and it was the first time that we were able to really see what it would be like to make friends on our own. Um, but then having my own twin boys, they're 25 now and they're fraternal, uh, being able to raise them in a way that I wish that Jane and I had been raised was a wonderful experience. And I had three very important principles when I raised them. One is I did not tell them who was older until they were 13. We took oh. a lot. Uh-huh. That's right. Mm. You might want to know why. You yes, know why. I do. <laughs> because if you... if, if People know who's older. All they do is use that to differentiate one twin from the other. So they're labeled, oh, you're the older one, oh, you're the social one, or you're the athletic one. It's a, it's a label that twins cannot get away from. I mean, people don't mean any harm in terms of using that as a way to differentiate, but it's so much better to, to have other ways to differentiate twins rather than who's older. Because I spent my whole life, you know, oh, yes, I'm three minutes older. I'm the one with the dimple. And that was about all people knew. So, so Johnny and David didn't know that. And I also made a decision that as soon as they were able to understand, um, I let them know that they were not going to go to separate colleges. 
that that was never going to be a decision that was going to be up to them. They grew up with the idea that this is what they were going to be working toward, is being able to be separate when they went to different colleges. And that involved a lot of preparation and a lot of forethought and thinking um, that my husband and I did in terms of raising them. Hmm. Hmm. Well, so what else would you say about that in terms of you, you know, here you are an adult twin, and you had twins. Did your parents raise you the way you're raising your twins, or very different? Oh, no, very different. I mean, they, you know, they really didn't understand a lot of what to do, but I find that present-day parents don't understand um, a lot of what they need to do either because they're too taken up with the idea of the twinship. And, and parents are often very reluctant to separate twins because they worry that separating the twins will interfere with their, with their relationship. But it's absolutely the opposite. The more you can separate twins, the better off their relationship is because twins, you know, twins are in a sense born married. They really didn't ever get to choose their partner. And if everyone and their parents are always idealizing their relationship, they really can't sort of get out of it in a way with much grace or much ease. And they need to be able to individuate and differentiate in order to, to be able to grow up and be able to rely on themselves. So it's very hard for parents of twins. I'm not saying that it isn't. It's very hard to attach to two babies at the same time. So what parents end up doing either is lumping them together as a unit or else labeling them. And it's not an easy task, but there's a lot of things parents can do if they're on board with the philosophy of really trying to raise two different babies. Just like it's a brother and a sister or a brother a brother and not right, being twins. Oh, in other words, you're saying raise them as though they're not twins. Exactly, which, of course, is hard because you know, if you have one baby, you have nobody to compare it to other than maybe a friend or a relative or something. But if you have two babies, you know, and if one walks before the other one or one talks or one gets a, you know, a tooth or one does something else, there's always somebody in the wings that you're being compared to. Um, yeah. And it really yeah. makes parents, it's hard for parents, yeah. you know, of twins not to compare them because there they are in the same space 24 hours a day with each other. So it's, it's, it's a big psychological um, investment in terms of really focusing on raising them as individuals, which has to be something in your mental state in order to do it and also to educate the people around you right. about how you want your twins to be treated. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, one of the questions here and one of the things in your book is about uh, how they select friends and lovers and romantic relationships on their own terms. And I remember, and I, I'll share this, my I have a very unusual situation. My mother and my aunt were absolutely beautiful. I mean, they were movie star beautiful. Mm. And we called them, and they grew up, we called them the Zsa, Zsa Gabor sisters. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, they look, they dress like that. They were the most glamorous. Well, my, you know, now we're going back now. My mother was raised, she was born in 1920. She's no longer with us, nor is my aunt. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they were raised in the 30s. Right in the 30s. And, and they were both very musical and very talented. They even did some recording in New York. But my grandmother was, you know, very, very strict. She ruled the roost. And her daughters, her beautiful twins, were going to marry doctors because that's what you did in those days. <laughs> particularly. And, and, you know, they were Jewish, which is another factor. But this was, there was no, I mean, that's what you did. 
Okay. And there was no fans or buts about it. So, of course, both girls did. But I do remember a story once. I think one of my, my aunt or my mother or my father told me that, you know, when one would meet in one of the, of the men, the other one wasn't there. I mean, my, my grandmother made sure that, you know, we're not going to have competition here. So it's very interesting. And I think in that sense, it, it set that up a little bit. And they both did marry doctors. They both lived beautiful lives. They both had the beautiful clothes. Um, and they were very much alike in many ways. They were also very different. And that was the thing that always amazed me because I would say to my cousin and I'd say to my dad, God, Aunt Myrtle is so different from Mom in their temperaments. Their exactly. temperaments were very, very different. I mean, they loved the clothes. They loved the thing. I mean, you could, you could put them in the same room and they'd, they'd buy the same thing in the store. You know, but, and, and, and they were very similar in that way and their mentality and the way they thought. But their temperaments and their personalities and the way they dealt with situations was very different. Well, you're talking about something that is, is, is very, very common among twins, but that many people don't know or don't mm. take the time to know or don't even believe can be true. But if you get to know twins, they do have a very, very different temperament, and that's exactly the issue that I talked about earlier, that if parents um, are going to raise very individual babies, they're really going to key in on their temperaments and try to nurture each temperament as best as they can, even in relationship to each other. And I have a lot of funny stories, too, about uh, about twins and getting married. And one woman I interviewed told me that she saw that her twin sister was really getting involved with the man, and she realized that she had to get out of the way because she, she knew that her being around was going to interfere with her sister being able to fall in love with this guy she was dating. So that's what she did. She was one of the rare few who recognized how their twinship could interfere with her sister's falling in love and making a very important attachment. So she moved away for six to eight months. Her sister ended up falling in love, did get married with this man, and they're all living close to one another but happily. And, yet, and just as that story can have a good outcome, another person I worked with, she was engaged to an identical twin. All of a sudden, the identical twin's fiancé moved back into the same town. So she then felt that her fiancé was spending all of his time with his twin brother and that she no longer counted. And she ended up, contrary to my advice, getting married and was divorced within six months because there was no way that she felt secure enough to be part of a threesome. And so often, adult twins who are approaching marriage or wanting to get married, what has to happen is one has to make the split and deal with the twins' reaction, or people, twins often say, listen, you're marrying both of us. So I don't know how your mom and your aunt's marriages ended up, but this is another, another issue that adult twins have to handle is how do you let in a significant other and how does that impact my twin? Mm-hmm. Mm. Did yeah. your did your mom and sis and aunt have good marriages? Were they happy? Well, they married actually very similar kinds of men, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Because you know, in those days, it was it was such a story. I mean, it was such a, a part of their era. My grandmother was really the matriarch. My grandfather was really much more mild and meek. So my grandmother was everything. So it was mm-hmm. interesting because they had this very very strong domineering mother, and they ended up marrying very strong domineering men. 
<laughs> that only and, happens we marry our mother, right? <laughs> right, right. And I mean, you know, both of these men took care of these women, so these women never had to worry. And, and you know, I would say for that era, uh, it worked. Uh, would it work today? I don't know. I don't know, but I think that it was so important to be taken care of that that was the most important thing, and they were well well taken care of, and they were good parents. But in terms of the dynamics between them, I think in those days, I mean, my parents were married 64 years. And, and, my, and my aunt and uncle would have been married that long, but my uncle died. He was much older than she was, mm. and he died about 25 years ago. So she was probably married... 30, 35 years, and she was happy with him. But then he died, and she had the beautiful home and the beautiful, th- and she never remarried and was happy. Mm-hmm. She lived in the house. She actually, she lived with my cousin, my, and uh, then my cousin ended up getting married, older, and they were all in this beautiful home together, very happy. So it was interesting, and, and what was interesting is my mother never understood what my aunt never remarried. Because my my aunt was beautiful, and my mother kept saying, "How could you not have a man in your life?" So it was it was such an interesting thing. And later on, when my aunt was single, um, my parents had uh, had lived in Florida in a beautiful condo high rise when when my dad retired, and they would invite my aunt down, and my aunt would come down and be with them for a couple of months, and they seemed to get along. I mean, it seemed to work, but but I do think, um, and I loved my aunt very much, but she had the milder temperament than my mother, although they were mm-hmm. extremely musical. They both loved the same things. I mean, they were both, they were very identical in their preferences and their values. And even my aunt ended up getting dementia. My mother had dementia. I mean, their, 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 even their brains, I think, were very similar. You well, know, their so, brain, Yeah, it was so interesting. It is, you know, I can, I can relate to so much you of can? that. Because my sister and I, um, you know, we live close to each other. She has her Ph.D. in art history, so we always joke that she likes the history of art, and I like the history of people being a psychologist. And we are very, we laugh at the same things that no one else, is, you know, thinks is funny. And we both, our favorite, you know, lunch is coffee and chocolate chip cookies, so we're always evaluating <laughs> different chocolate chip cookies and figuring out who likes what. But we couldn't be more different in our temperaments. I mean, it's it's amazing. I, you know, I feel that I'm sort of more extroverted and more empathic and sh- and and more analytical. And she's she's much more sort of a little bit more introverted and you know just has a different lifestyle than I do. And we're completely different in that way. And yet, if you we have the same voice, you, you, we still look like sisters. We don't look exactly the same anymore. And we like a lot of the same things, but we are such different people. And it's so much that. That message that I would want to get across that you're describing so well that mm-hmm. you know you you had that experience of an identical mom and, and an aunt and so yeah. you know what it felt like to live with identical twins that were very different and and mm. I do too because I've been living with myself and my sister all these years but that's exactly what other people who don't know about twins or have twins that's what they don't understand. And it's so frustrating, and that's really why I wanted to write this book, because um, I feel that adult twins don't have an opportunity to talk about um, what some of their challenges are. Because if they start saying, I hate my sister, or we don't get along, you know, no one says to them, well, of course, mm-hmm. of course, it's a normal thing you're going through. They just think, oh, my God, what's wrong? 
oh, your parents must not have done a good job. I mean, it's, it's not, they, they just don't have the space to develop into their own person and deal with their ambivalent feelings like all siblings have. So, I mean, the first chapter of my book is, you know, I called it outing your feelings because twins mm-hmm. often are not able to talk to somebody about their feelings about their twin unless it's to another twin because they know that a twin is going to understand that while they are angry and maybe feeling hateful toward their twin, it's also the person they love more than anyone else in the world. And who but a twin is not, who's going to understand the kind of level of that kind of attachment or that kind of ambivalence? And it's something that if you're not a twin, you're not really going to understand. So um, my hope was is that adult twins will find this book and, and find some comfort and relief in knowing that, the feelings that they have about wanting to separate are so normal and natural and, in the end, very healthy. Well, and I think, you know, I think in that, and, and I think it's so important what you're doing because in this era with my mother and my aunt, none of this was ever discussed. Oh, none yes. of it. Oh, I mean, you God. just kind of felt your way around. And That's the right. other thing, I other th- want to tell you something else, and I think it's very important because I, ho- I, I know you address this in the book, but something my grandmother did that I think was very wrong and what she did is she would keep a lot of secrets. So, for example, if she gave something to my mother that my aunt couldn't know, and if she and it was always secretive. So, if we if one of the grandkids got something, you shouldn't know that one of the other ones did, and that created a lot of friction because eventually you guessed and you figured it out, and you weren't supposed to talk. So it was all this kind of secrecy, and that I think is not good. Well, no, well, you know, and secrecy on so many levels is so damaging. Um, you know, it's, it's probably one of the worst dynamics that creates people having a sense of not trusting one another and so forth. But what also with twins, why that's so, you're so right that that's so detrimental is because twins are, are just inherently and naturally competitive. And they're trying to keep their competitive levels in check. And if they're also then being, you know, told to keep secrets about stuff, it, it really does add to this another layer to mm-hmm. issues that they're already dealing with. Because twins are, especially identical twin girls, have the highest um, amount of competition that they usually keep under wraps because they don't want to sort of damage their relationship because their relationship, you know, their girls and their identical is so primary. So I, I can absolutely relate to what you're saying. If they're already keeping this relationship intact on top of trying to keep these secrets, um, that's incredibly difficult. I was going to ask you, did, you did, they, did your mom and aunt ever talk about feeling competitive or no, being competitive. No, it was never, they never talked about anything. They talked about clothes <laughs> <you know? laughs> and dressing up. What about their children? Were your, were you, did your Yeah, very feel- interesting. Now, very interesting. Mm-hmm. My, my, I have two cousins. So the two, they, my aunt had two daughters. Uh-huh. So they're around my age. One is a psychotherapist, so you can imagine. And the other <laughs> one, we went into drama and arts. And then there was me and my two brothers and the cousins. We would talk. We would really talk about things. Um, but it was, it was no, I don't really think they would talk about things. Sometimes my aunt would, when she stayed with my parents, she would tell me she'd have a little heart to heart with my mother. Like if she felt, um, you know, my parents might be arguing or something or she would, she would say something to my mother. But, um, it was no, I don't think they talked about feelings. 
They just didn't. That was you know, an era for sure. Mm-hmm. I really think so. And um, the other thing is, they both went. They were very similar because they were both singers. You know, they were both had the they both had the talent. So I mean, really, in today's era, my grandmother could have put them on the circuit, and they would have made it as beautiful, <laughs> yeah, identical twins. And my, it's funny because my cousin found an old article. As much as my grandmother complained about, you know, she would never send them to New York or Hollywood because they were asked. But they were, they did get on radio in New York because we have the newspaper article from the 1930s that they actually went on. I think they sang on the radio, but only, only one or two times. And my grandmother said, no, you're not doing that. That's not the life for you. You're marrying the doctors. (laughs) (laughs) And look, who's on the radio, Patricia? You are. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Well, I've come from a very musical family. Very, you know, very. And, you know, there were two baby grand pianos in, my, in our house. There were two baby grand pianos in my aunt's house. You know, I mean, it was, oh, it was just what you everywhere. were used to. But very much so. I, I think music was the language. If you want to know what the real language was, I think it was music. Well, it's a wonderful universal language, so that would transcend the twinship, so that's really wonderful, yeah. which is but I, great. But I do think I do think you should address that issue of, you know, being open and, and not having secrets, because I think that really does separate people. Oh, I really do. I mean, I you know, people who have, you know, children with a donor egg and so forth, um, who, are, who I'm dealing with often, who, you know, because they have twins often, and, and the importance of, of eventually telling the children that they come from a donor egg. Again, not sharing that, it's like sharing an adoption at an appropriately developmental time frame, I think is, is such a disservice to children, and yet many people are afraid to divulge that information because that, again, is a big secret that will come and bite you in the end, when, you know, if you're not able to be truthful about it. So secrets are very harmful in families, absolutely. So yeah. I was thinking that maybe your your um, aunt really loved living alone after she became a widower because she probably had never been alone. And it well, she lived, well, my cousin, yeah, my cousin lived in the house with her. So my cousin kind of became the dad. You know, mm-hmm. she took care of a lot of the things for my aunt. My aunt just, you know, never had to worry about money, never worried about anything. She just dressed up, looked pretty, and always smiled and was happy. Very, <laughs> very happy. And my aunt, my cousin took care of her. And when my cousin married for the first time in her 50s, the man she married came and lived with them, and they all lived in the house, and he loved my aunt. He said, I, I love her. And when she died, I mean, we were all so sad. So it's very interesting. It was such a, you know, a, a interesting dynamic. It really is. It's fascinating. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she was, I think you're right. She really was happy. And although my mother was appalled that her twin did not remarry, my aunt was happy. <laughs> I think, you know, twins really, really relish at times being alone because they've lived a life where they never have been alone. Um, I mean, I think some twins would be frightened of that, but other twins find it very much a solace and the solitude. It's solitude and alone time that they never really had growing up, which can be very nurturing and wonderful if you happen to like that sort of thing. I love my alone time. Even with my five kids and my husband and my crazy life, I, I treasure my alone time. Um, and so I think I would have been that way if I'd been a twin or not. But, I mean, people always think, oh, you don't mind being alone? And I go, no, I love it. It's, it's wonderful. It's for me. So um, I find it interesting that your aunt didn't remarry. So she probably liked maybe not having anyone around for a while. 
Well, she did. There was one man that she said she met, but he became ill. And so that was kind of it. But um, yeah. but she was generally happy. But it was, I, I don't, again, it's wonderful that you're writing a book about this because I think that it's not discussed enough. I absolutely agree with you. And I, I, I hope that people will understand and get the message. And, and really, if you want to, if you know twins and you love twins and you want to help them, it's really helping them express, you know, and being okay with this kind of ambivalence and saying, good for you, good for wanting to work this out, you know, good for wanting to be your own person. And it'll be, you know, like any kind of growth, it's a little painful because, you know, the person who's wanting to separate feels very conflicted about abandoning and betraying her twin. And yet, you know, you kind of want to encourage that person that she's got to be a little bit selfish because if she's not selfish, she's never going to find out what her true self is. And that's what twins have to do is find out who they really are apart from their twin so that they can come back and be reconnected with their twin in a much healthier way. It's easier for fraternal twins than it is for identical twins. I think it is, but it's, people think that, oh, fraternal twins, they have it so much easier. I mean, they do, in a sense, there's less intensity, but there's a lot of the same issues. May not be as intense, but still, there's a lot of the same things are going on. Dealing okay. with the competition, with the dependence, you know, with the sense of self. Yeah, absolutely. Right. All right. We have just, we've actually gone over time, but this is so fascinating. What would you like to leave our listeners with today? Oh, let's see. I guess I'd like to leave the listeners with that when you see twins, treat them as individuals. Think about them as separate people and try to get to know each one as an individual. And just as you said, to get to know them via their temperament. As, a, as opposed to how they look so much like somebody. <laughs> That's what I would say. Right. All right. Thanks so much. The book is The Same But Different, How Twins Can Live, Love, and Learn to Be Individuals by Joan A. Friedman, Ph.D. And how do people get the book? Oh, they can go on Barnes & Noble. They can find it on Amazon. Or they can contact my website, um, www.joanafriedmanphd.com and you can order it right from there as well. Okay, thanks so much. Uh, stay on the line for a minute, Joan. Okay, thanks, right. Patricia. All right, that, so that closes out our session today of Patricia Rest and Positive Living on voiceamerica.com. Um, you can write to me which is Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 